A strong and independent woman is something to behold. She pays her own bills, buys her own things, and she doesn't let a man affect her stability or self-confidence. She is a soul-rich woman. Are you ready to be rich doing what you love? Be on purpose and in control of your life again. At For Women Who Love the F Word podcast, we will be openly talking about getting more clients online, getting recognition as the leader and female entrepreneur, and also the F Word, being fabulous, having freedom and financial independence. It's time to own and love the F Word. Welcome to the show. Hey, beautiful. Today, we have a really special guest. Her name is Cheryl Sandberg. Uh, she is the COO of Facebook, which means she oversees Facebook's business operations, specifically helping Facebook scale its operations and expand its global footprint. She is also the founder of Lean In. Uh, this is a global movement, a global community group um, where Cheryl founded to support women striving to reach their ambitions. So I met her in Hanoi, Vietnam, an opportunity when I was there on a project for Soul Rich Women. I spoke with her, hang out with her and managed to did some recordings. I really hope that you enjoyed some of her sharing and perspective. In this uh, perspective, I would call this recording, she shared a lot about how she coped with her life, balance her life, um, do the work that she's doing now. And I really hope that this really inspire you to do more as well for women who love the F word. All over the world, most companies, most countries, local government, everything's run mostly by men. And that means that women's voices are not equally heard at all the tables where decisions are made. And I think it would be a better world if we were using the full talents of our population and half the leadership roles meant to women. This exists pretty deeply in our culture. And I think people from outside the United States are always a little surprised that it's in the United States too, but it is. To share one stat with you, in the United States, women have 5% of the top CEO jobs, and here in Vietnam, you have almost seven. Vietnam is actually, on that metric, one of the two highest in the whole world. <laughs> Which is fantastic, but it's also 7%. So culturally, there are huge differences between the United States and Vietnam and all other countries. But all over the world, no matter what the other cultural differences are, one thing is true, which is that men are encouraged to lead and women are encouraged to give to others. So men only, only men here. Raise your hand if you were called bossy as a little boy. Okay, women, raise your hand if you were called bossy as a little girl. That's the issue. And so the idea is we need to encourage women to be ambitious. And the world is not going to do it for us. We are going to have to do it ourselves. And so the way to do that are peer support. There's a lot of data that says that peers, people your own age, can be as good as mentors as anyone else. And so our idea, when we published the book and I started my foundation, was to get women into local chapters, local circles, so they can explicitly be ambitious. They can have a place to say, I'm gonna dream big, I'm not gonna be afraid, and I'm gonna go for whatever I want. We hoped for a thousand circles, that was our goal. 
We now have 34,000 registered. But you guys weren't even registered. So we know that there's a lot more out there, which is so exciting because this was my dream all along, was to have amazing women like you and like all the women here and all the men who are here to be part of this, really working towards equality for women, which is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sharon. Um, so what do you think the most important objectives of having circles? And, and we have been having circles for the last five years, and what are the impacts that you have seen over the years? So what we know about circles is that they're very empowering to the people who are in it. Two-thirds of the women who join a circle will take on a new opportunity because of the encouragement of their circle. You know, 70% of the women who join the circle will go on to do things they weren't otherwise going to do. And so it happens because the circles get together every month and support each other and encourage each other. And I know everyone has really busy lives, right? You have long hours at work, you have your friends, some of you have children. The question is, where do you carve out that time as a woman to think about what you want to do? It's very hard to do, and that's why the circles are working. Leading has been there for five years, and what is going to be the next step after the five years anniversary? So the goal of Leading was to take it way beyond the United States, way beyond me, and make it about all the women. And so I hope the next five years are the times for all of you to take on leadership roles, reach for the next step, get the promotion you want, have children and you want and know that if you choose to, you can be a mother and a great, great, great professional and see this continue to grow all over the world. We, um, in some ways, we've made a lot of progress, right? But in some ways, there's a long way to go. So the wage gap in Vietnam is 36%. The wage gap in the United States is 20%. There is no country in the world where women are paid equally to men for the same work. So, it's been five years. I'm so proud of all the women in circles, and I think it's our chance to continue to do more and more and more. We talk a lot about how self-doubt can hold us back, and in leaning you state, you still have days where you feel like a frog. This is, this is the heart of leaning. The heart of leaning is that at the same level of performance, men often have more confidence than women. And here's why. It's because if you have a certain level of performance and you ask anyone around them or the person themselves to remember it, male accomplishments are remembered a little bit high and women accomplishments are a little bit low. And so that means that we are systematically underestimating ourselves and everyone around us is systematically underestimating. Not on purpose, I want to be clear. And women do it as much to women as men. So this is not gender bias. It's a bias that everyone has. And so this is why we know that men get promoted based on their potential, and women get promoted based on what they've already done. And so the goal of Lean In is to tell people, even if you don't 100% feel like you're up for it, apply for the job anyway. Build your own confidence. The best trick I ever came up with, or I heard about, happened years after Lean In. It's not in the book, unfortunately, which is, which is to write down three moments that you did something well at the end of the day. And I put this in my new book. So at the end of the day, put a little notebook by your bed, just a little tiny notebook, and write down three things you did well before you go to sleep. And they can be really small, you know, made tea. 
that for a home meeting. It can be really small. What I realized when I started doing that is I never realized that I would spend every single night thinking about what I did wrong. Thinking about what went wrong rather than what went right. And the flip of this is what I did well really helped build my confidence when I need it, and it's a great trick. Everyone do it. If you learn nothing else here today, three things you did well at the end of the day. Men too. What advice do you have for us here um, on planning out our career path? Well, the biggest source of advice I have is to really be ambitious and really making sure you, you go for whatever you want. My favorite question in LinkedIn is really a Facebook question, which is, what would you do if you were afraid? You know, ask yourself, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And then try it. There's a lot of data behind what people regret in the world, and people almost always regret the things they didn't do. They do not regret the things they did, even if they don't work out. I mean, my goal is I want to keep working at Facebook and keep growing Facebook, and I really want LinkedIn to thrive all over the world. And my goal has always been for more women to reach for leadership roles or to feel the confidence that they can and to stop the messages we have of men telling women and women telling women they can't do something. How do you find a balance in your life? I sleep. This is very important. Enough sleep is very, very important. Um, you know, look, I try to prioritize. I don't do everything. I don't do everything well all the time. I have a great team. That's how anyone gets anything done. It's just a great team. It's a hard question for anyone. It became a much harder question for me after I lost my husband and I was a single parent. You know, the way I do it is when I'm home and not traveling, I'm home for dinner with my kids. And when I'm traveling, it's harder and I really don't travel as much as I used to before, before my husband passed away. But I think I always, when I first had my son, it was a long time ago, 12 years ago, I was working at Google then and I always, always, always was in the office from seven to seven. Those are my hours, seven to seven. And I literally didn't think I could do my job not being there. But then when I had my son, I went back to work after leave, and I realized that he was asleep from seven to 6.30 in the morning. So if I did not change my hours, I was never gonna see him ever. Because these big babies, they sleep for 12 hours a day. And so I really had to make that change. Now, I was lucky that I was pretty senior, but I Google was very flexible the way it um, but I made that change, and at first I thought I'll never be able to do it, I'll lose my job. But you know what? It worked out. I started leaving out at 5 30 to be home for dinner. I started doing work again after he went to bed at night, and it worked. And then when my husband died, you know, I couldn't travel at all for like six months, and I, it was so hard for me, so hard for my kids, and I thought, again, I can't do this. But then I had no choice. I had no choice but not to travel for many, many months. And it turned out it was okay. And I share this all with you because I don't think it has to be as dramatic as losing a partner or having a baby. There's a lot of things as women we believe we have to do that you do not, in fact, have to do. That actually, people are nodding, right? We put ourselves under that pressure to be everything to everyone, and you can't do it. And sometimes being able to say no, even to a friend, I'm so sorry I can't come to your house for dinner. It's pretty empowering. And so you cut back to the things that are absolutely essential. Family, job, whatever it is that is essential for you. How do you set boundaries at work? I try to do stuff later at night or early in the morning. And I try to do things 
efficiently. So not perfectly, but efficiently. Sometimes you have to like um, prioritize your family over your career. So do, do you have any advice for us? You know, these are very individual decisions, and they're culturally, culturally resonant decisions. I feel very strongly that women should choose when and if to marry and who. So in China, there's been a massive push against leftover women. Do you all know about this? You know about this? Yeah. And you know, at 27, women are told that they're leftover if they're not married. And what we're finding, a lot through LinkedIn, but other things, is that women are pushing back and saying some of them want to get married then, and that's great. But some of them don't, and saying to their families, "I get to make this choice." And so I can't sit here and tell you all, get married at 28.5 years or 26.5 years. That's not the point. The point is that when you marry, marry for love. When you marry, marry a partner. So one thing that's true all over the world, but is particularly acute here in Asia, not just Vietnam, all across Asia, is that women do the majority of the housework and the childcare. The great majority. The great majority. And that is culturally important here and pretty much everywhere in the world. That's something that's hard to change, but worth changing. In the sense that I'm not going to pretend that everyone here can get perfect equality in their marriages, but you can probably get more than you, than you have. And paternal father involvement with children is really, really important for your children. One day when you have them. So the thing I always say is, you can date whoever you want, just don't marry those guys. <laughs> like the really cool guys are not going to help you that much at home. Those are good dates. Those are not good husbands. The husband you want is someone who's going to support your career. And you can have these conversations. And someone once said to me, well, if I have these conversations, maybe he won't want to go on a second date. And I said, well, you might as well find that out now before you waste many, many days on him. One also piece of advice, because I know this is a younger group, try not to be the girlfriend that does too much. Don't do your boyfriend's laundry. <laughs> Don't do that. Be nice in other ways, because this happens in the States, too, is women get into this pattern with men early in relationships, so I'll take care of that, I'll take care of that, and you know what? You'll be doing that for the rest of your lives. Whatever you do from the beginning. My father, I grew up in a very traditional household. My father worked, my mother worked inside the home, my mother cooked dinner every night. My father didn't know how to turn on the stove. But the one thing he did was he vacuumed after dinner. That was his job, and he had that job from the very beginning. So when I was getting married, my mom told me, be careful of what you do in the beginning, because it's gonna stick. Don't go, I know you just got married. You're gonna go out honeymoon. Don't come back and start ironing. Only what ironing you wanna do for the rest of your life. And one thing I wanna share for the men here and for the women who are gonna to talk to men here is really important is that it's really good for your children. So at the, any income level, at any income level, in any country, children whose fathers are spend more time with them do better. They do better in school, they do better professionally, they are happier, they are healthier, physically healthier, and they're more attached to each other emotionally. So on any metric you care about, for men here or for the men you will one day marry, it is important for your kids. It's not a favor for you. It's about being a real partner for your children. I've also told men all over the world 
If you want to do something great for your girlfriend or partner or wife, don't buy flowers, do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> do the laundry. Wash the dishes. It's amazing what it will do for your relationship. So I said this on a late night TV show in the United States, and the head of FTD, which is the largest flower store in the country, sent me a bouquet about this big and wrote, can't you tell men to do laundry and send flowers? Well, why did you write the book and what has this project meant to you? So I lost my husband very suddenly two and a half years ago and I really didn't know what to do or how to get through it. And so I turned to my friend Adam Grant, who's a psychologist, and he started teaching me what psychology could teach about getting through tragedy. And I wrote the book because it was such a bad experience, and he helped me so much that I wanted to try and help others. My husband was an incredible man, most so giving and so loving. And so I felt that if I did something good in his name, it kept his memory alive. And so the question is, when we go through something really hard, and it can be death, it could be cancer, it could be losing a job, it can be losing a parent, everyone's life is touched by something. No one is living a perfect life. Then what? And we actually get stronger for those, for those troubles and those challenges. Now, I wouldn't want to get stronger for the challenges. If I could trade all the learning and take the back, I would. But I can't. And so recognizing the things that are different and better from what I've learned is so important. And the major lesson for me of losing my husband is one of gratitude. So I turned 48 in August. And before I lost David, I would have spent my 48th birthday being upset I was about to turn 50, right? I'd be like, oh my God, it's two years, I'm gonna be 50, I'm getting old, my hair is gray, right? I woke up on the morning I turned 48 with the deepest and most compelling sense of gratitude that I made it. I made it. And I feel this sense of gratitude for being alive, which I completely took for granted before. And that has made my life better. And so, everyone here, celebrate your birthdays. Remember, don't make jokes about growing old. There's only two options. You either do or you don't, and growing old is a blessing. And I know this is a society where there's a lot of respect for elders. I think a lot more than in mind. But that deep respect, that sense of luck, that we're here, that we're all here today, is something I carry with me, and I try to remember in honor of David, who he was and what he meant to me. So if you want to completely silence a room, have something bad happen to you, right? When you say, I have cancer, or my husband just died, or my child is very sick, what happens? Silence, right? Just silence. Because no one knows what to say. And that's true all over the world. And the truth is that that was the moments when we need each other the most. And what I learned losing my husband is how often I got this wrong before. So before I lost date, if someone was going through something hard, I would mention it one time, the first time I saw them, and that's it. So I would say, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. And then I would never say anything again, because I didn't want to remind them. You can't remind me Dave died. If you walk up to me three years later and say, I'm so sorry for your loss, I'm not like, oh, I forgot, right? I remember that. And so you can't remind someone she has cancer, or he's, struggling with a job, like people know that. And so it's not that everyone wants to talk every minute, 
But it is that telling people I care for you is so important. So maybe this is pretty broad. We think we are the largest grassroots organization of women anywhere in the world. There may be another one, we don't know what that is, but from everything we see. And that means the people in circles and in chapters come from all backgrounds, all countries, all different socioeconomic groups as well. One thing we have seen with Lean In that's worked very well is some of the chapters that are formed by professional women who have more ability to help have hooked up with organizations where they will do work with women who have less privilege. So in New York, there's an investment bank where they have Lean In Circles and they partner with women in a homeless shelter to help do training for them. And so if you want to reach out and do some of those activities, they're great. And the program works really for women everywhere because we all we face different challenges, but some of them are the same. I'm sure a lot of you work in very male-dominated environments. I know I do. <laughs> um, I think the thing to do is two things. The first thing is to overcome the insecure parts of yourself that don't, don't feel like you don't belong. Take your seat at the table. Literally, I mean at the table. One of the things that got me right me in was noticing that in all the rooms I was in, the women always sat with that, even when they were a senior. Like, take your seat at the table, make sure you're contributing, make sure you're building your own self-confidence, and then help the men around you see the ways they can get more women as well. I love that you're connecting women, and then you're connecting them for resilience, because resilience is something that we only, when I first lost my husband, I asked Adam, um, you know, how do we know how much resilience I have or how much my kids have? And he said that was the wrong question because we're not born with a fixed amount of resilience. No one is. We build it. And we build it in ourselves, but we build it in each other. So one of the ways I think Lean In, what's one of the reasons Lean In works and it grows all over the world is because Lean In builds resilience into the women in the circle because they are there to support each other. And so whatever your construct is for women to expressly help each other and support each other, that is how you build resilience, and it's resilience that will take them through the rest of their lives. That our future leaders are going to come from this community. I believe that our future CEOs come from this community. I believe that the best mothers come from this community. And I believe that you all, person by person, day by day, meeting by meeting, are going to change the world for the better. And so it is, um, you guys were my dream, literally, come true. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so honoured that we are connected and I hope that I can continue to serve you as you build your dreams. And if you love this episode, and I hope that you did, rate it 5 stars. Give us that glowing review because it will help more women around the world finding this Soul Rich Woman podcast. Alone you are strong, together we are unstoppable. Now share this with every woman who needs it because this is how we are changing the world, one woman at a time. As always, get out of your comfort zone and go towards the dreams you've always wanted to achieve. For women who love the F word, being fabulous, having freedom and financial independence. My dear soul rich woman, sending you my love and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.